For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Two Robbies podcast, your destination for in-depth discussion and analysis of every Premier League match week, the Champions League and the Europa League. I'm Robbie Musto, he's Robbie Earl, and we recently had the chance to sit down with two big names from two different clubs who have been two of the biggest success stories of this season. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all on its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to 313-mile range on a single charge, and A-Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric never could be. It was built with a driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience the electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. That's right, Mr. Muster. We have the chance to sit with former teammate of yours at Sheffield Wednesday, now manager at Aston Villa and Dean Smith. And the two of us got the chance to interview West Ham midfield player Declan Rice. Let's listen into that interview now. Declan, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, we're so excited to have a little chat. We're a couple of former central midfield players from, from back in the 90s. It's been <laughs> so great. Yeah, you, you probably don't remember us. I'm not sure you were born when we were playing in the league. Anyway, it's, it's so great to see how you've played this season, Declan, how the team is doing. How would you assess the season so far for the club? It's been a massive step up um, compared to last season where we was fighting relegation at this time. You know, we was coming into training, worrying about other results, you know, worrying about our result, how we played on the weekend. And a year on, you know, it's a complete turnaround. You know, there's now confidence that we can push into Europe, whether that's Champions League or Europa League. You know, we've got full belief as a squad, you know, as a manager that, We've got the quality now with, with 10, 10 games to go that we can go on and achieve something special for this club. 
You finished just above the uh, relegation places last year, Declan. You talked about this year. Was that something as a, as a dressing room you talked about with, with the lads? Was it something you, you said, you know, we've got to be at least mid-table? Was there any kind of um, any targets? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, as players, we knew last year, I think you know as a player that when you're on the pitch and you're not getting the results and things are not going well, that it's not good enough. I think as players, you know, we had to have a chat and... You know, have a meeting like we always do at the start of the season and we set ourselves targets and you know, that target this year was to finish in the top half and I've got to say after we lost the first one against Newcastle 2-0 we was all a bit all heads in <laughs> we was all really panicking um, but then look we, we turned it around again and you know, we went on a great run from there and I think that's been the, the main theme all season you know, we stayed really consistent and stuck to what the managers asked of us so on that same kind of thought process, Declan, describe the impact of, of David Moyes over this last year. Oh, he's, been, he's been amazing. He's been incredible for us. Obviously, he came in last year with only three or four months to go, so he couldn't really implicate all of his work. But he actually said in one of his first meetings that once he gets us out of the relegation and you know, we're going to go into a, having a full season with him, that you know, we really are going to push on. And you know, he's still like that till, to this day. You know, he's on to us, striving for more, pushing us even harder and... Yeah, it's been a complete, complete, complete um, turnaround by him, and you know I'm, I'm delighted for him and the backroom staff, and the lads are so happy to have him here. This is his, his second sort of stint with, with, with the group. Is it much different from the first David Moyes you had, who, who was at the club? Does he know the club better? Does he know the players better? Has he been a bit different this time around? Yeah, I think he, I think he knows the players better probably the second time round. Obviously, the first time that he was here, I was actually only a youngster. I was only 17. So I'd only played a couple of games under him. Um, I was just speaking in the last interview saying, you know, maybe then he didn't have as much trust or belief in me because I was a young player. You know, he was coming in. I think we was fighting relegation then as well. Um, so he had to play the experienced heads. And now this time around where he's come in and I've had a load of games under my belt. You know, I've played, obviously played for England, played so many games for West Ham now. He's had the full trust and belief in me to, to go and play. So not only for me, but I think for, for loads of the players that were here the first time round, you know, everyone's so happy that he's come again and, you know, we, we get to work with him again. Declan, it's, it's so interesting for us as analysts of the game here in the US and, and seeing how West Ham has changed with David Moyes as a manager. How has it felt as a player in his style, his philosophy on a match day compared to the previous regime? It's so different. Um, I think under Pellegrini, we was, we was leaking too many goals. And the first thing he, when he, uh, when he come in, he said... He put up like a, a stats chart, like we wasn't running hard enough. We conceded way too many goals. Teams are outrunning us, you know, we're being outpressed, outplayed. And, you know, from that day, I think he showed us one a couple of weeks ago where we were now and the upgrades were like 10, 12 spaces above from where we were when he took over. But to work under him is, is amazing. You know, he wants us defensively solid. I think you can see every player that plays, whether you come off the bench or start, knows their job. Um, we're really hard to break down and... We've really found a way to, to, to score goals and create chances this year. And I think long may that continue. Declan, does some of the squad feel like it's a different, that it wouldn't suit them with a different manager, with a different focus on the defending side of the game? Yeah, I think, I think loads of players would probably think that if you're an attacking player, the last thing you want to do is defend. Um, but he's got the attacking players really buying into to what he wants. You know, when we're out of possession, how he wants them in their shape and how, how much they've actually got to run and work hard. He's always said, if you don't run, you don't play. And I think if you say that to a player, they're going to run because <laughs> they obviously all want to play. So yeah, he's got everyone firing and yeah, long, long may that continue for, for, for all the lads.
I just want to ask you about a couple of players, Declan. One you play next to, one who plays in front of you. Thomas Suchek has surprised many people. We do a bit of analysis, and I keep saying to Mr. Musto, he's one of the best boxer boxers in, in, in the league. And, and Jesse Lingard, who's come in and, and brought another option to your team. Just tell us about those two guys. Yeah, Suchek, obviously been playing with him for a year now. You know, he's, 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 gone, he's gone up a, a couple of other levels since he's arrived. He said they're off the ball, massive help for me in the middle of the pitch. You know, he's got, got legs, he runs around, he's strong, he wins headers, he's tackle, you know, he's tenacious, he gives everything. Um, and, he, and that's what you want in your team, you want people like that. And then obviously you've got Jesse, who everyone knows his quality. I think he just got really unlucky at Man United, where they've obviously brought in Bruno and, and Donny van der Beek, so... He's kind of pushed out a little bit, but we always knew he had that form and that quality. And since he's come here, you know, fair play to him because it could have taken him a fair few games to get going. He was fit as a fiddle. He was strong. The first training session, all the lads were, were blown back by how good he was. And now he's got that England call-up, so he's, he's fully deserving of that. You've got an argument for me. When you okay. have a penalty, who, who gets it, you or Jesse? <laughs> I'm back on him now. I'm back on him. <laughs> I told him. Yeah, he's, he's got to come off him now. He's missed. It's me again. <laughs> Declan, just on, on midfield players and, and, and different styles and all that, I, I was a getter. I, I, you know, I intercepted, I tackled, I won balls, I kept the ball simple. Earl, uh, believe it or not, was a scorer. He used to get in the box and score goals in the middle of the park. What's your DNA, Declan, as a midfield player? And is it any different, like, what we're seeing right now? I think it's like what you described yourself as. Um, you know, I like to... I'm not a player that's pleasing on the eye for the, for the modern-day watcher now, you know, not doing dungeon step-overs and Rabonas and scoring top, top corners. Um, I'm one that breaks the plot, you know, reads the game, tries to give it simple to my teammates and probably care about my teammates more than I do myself on the pitch. You know, I want, I want the best for the team. Um, but I think this season I've really tried to, to push forward more, especially with the ball. So there's loads of little things I'm trying to add into my game, but like you explained there, how you was, probably, you know, just get it, give it, defend and, and protect the team. Talk to us a little bit about Mark Noble because he's announced he's going to leave the, the football club next season. Obviously, you'll take off on the captaincy from him. Talk about what influence he's had on your career on and off the pitch for us a little bit. Yeah, I've obviously been training with him since I was 16. Uh, I'm 22 now, so he's seen a full development of me. Um, and I have to say, he's probably one of the main reasons that you know I'm still around in the first team. You know, Even now, to this day, he's still on me in training if I do things that I'm not up to the standard he thinks I can do it. Um, and that's what I want. You know, I want to be pushed. And there's no probably no one better that knows this club inside out. Obviously, played the games he has and the mark to tell me that. Obviously, with the captaincy, you know, special to be taking the armband, you know, off him when he doesn't play. And then obviously, when he plays, he takes it. But, you know, just the experience he gives you, the confidence he gives you, he just lets you go out there and, and do your thing. And, yeah, there's no one better to have around than, than Mark Noble. Declan, just... Um... From my point of view, I just see the England squad's been announced. You're in it again. Jesse Lingard is, has been announced in it, which is great news for him. As somebody that, that wasn't really at that level, and I, and I, you know, of course, we all dream of playing for England. What does it feel like, Declan, to, to, to put on that shirt and represent your country? Yeah, it's special. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing. You can't really describe it. Um, you know, that feeling of walking out, you know, singing the national anthem, you know, you've got your arms around your teammates. It's just a proper, unique feeling. Um, and it kind of gives you that bit more energy that when you go out and you're about to kick off, you want to go out and win your first tackle. You want to win your first day. You're really pumped up. Um, and uh, every time you're called up, I think, I think you could take it for granted a little bit. You know, like, so I think now I think it maybe gets taken for granted, but 
you know your career goes so quick every call up special so you need to you need to you need to really cherish these moments it was a time through the back where some players used to say they got a bit nervous going to England or didn't enjoy it. It looks like Gareth's got a good young group of players together ahead of the Euros. Is, is there a bit of a, a team feeling around around the, the national team now? Yeah, definitely. Um, from the two years that I've been in around the setup, you know, he's he's got, he's put an amazing squad together. I think he's changed the, the mentality completely from what it used to be. From what I've read and what it used to hear, people didn't used to enjoy going to England. Um, and then now, you know, people love it. You know, the lads all get on with each other. You know, there's no clicks with other clubs. Everyone mixes and everyone buys into the way Steve and, and Gareth want to play. So, yeah, it's a real, real enjoyable moment every time you go away. Christian Declan, it's been great having you. Thanks so much for your time. Good luck to the uh, Any time. Any time. And England, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Top man. Thank you very much. Okay, Rob. Um... I'll tell you what, mate, one of the most enjoyable parts of our job, and we don't get to do it too often, is interviewing current players and current managers. And I've got to say, I, I could have spent three, four times the amount of time to Declan Rice. I mean, first of all, Rob, what a lovely, approachable, friendly, smart young man he is. Only 21 years of age. I look at him and I think, wow. I'd love to be you right now with it, with a career that he's going to have. He talked about with passion about the England stuff. As I wanted to get in there and ask him about that because I'm so, I guess I'm so envious to represent the country like that. Um, I think he's a gem of a player and a, and a really nice guy as well. Yeah, and you know what's funny? He's, he's a beast on the football pitch, isn't he? Cool. He's a monster, yeah. but he sits there and he's quite introvert and he's very polite and very humble. Um, you know, he's a profile of, of, of the modern player. I thought it was interesting. I talked about Tom, uh, Thomas Suchet working with mm-hmm. him, what Jesse Lingard's brought to the team, Robin, and also the David Moyes. It's a bit of a different David Moyes, that he knows the football club now, he knows the people uh, and really interesting with Mark Noble, how, how big an influence Mark Noble's had on, on his career. Yeah, and, you know, I wanted to hint at the style of play. You know, he kind of basically said it is different now and that some of the attacking players are not thrilled about it, but he's all in. And I think that's one thing that we got from that is that the players are absolutely all in now with David Moyes and what he's doing, even if it is a little bit different to the normal West Ham way. I wasn't so sure when he said he, he was a bit like similar style to Mr Musto. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In terms of individual play, I'm like, yeah, he's obviously watched me. He's based his game on my stuff. better than Mr. Musto. Ten times better. No, it was brilliant stuff from Declan Rice, mate. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. Now, as I mentioned earlier, I had a great time catching up with my former teammate, Dean Smith. 
We had a great conversation about what he's been able to achieve during his time at Aston Villa. Here is our full conversation. Well, great to be with you, Dean Smith, manager of Aston Villa, with teammates at Sheffield Wednesday many, many years ago. You were my captain at that point. Wow, things have moved on, my friend. And uh, it's great to see you doing so well as a manager now in the Premier League. But I just want to start the first question, actually the only question I want to look back. Going from the Championship to the Premier League, Dean, we've talked about it, and I can talk about what that's like as a player, but we don't often hear it, what it's like as a manager. Give us a kind of a a brief take on what it's like managing at that level and the jump required to manage in the Premier League? Um, one of the biggest jumps, would you believe, is actually the media, the amount of media that you have to go and deal with. And, and people don't realise it, it takes up an awful lot of time. And um, I met up with Sir Alex Ferguson when we got promoted and he said to me, the most important person to you now is going to be your head of media. He said, because you don't need to be reading any newspapers, any social media. He said, he should tell you everything you need to know. Um, so th- that was one of the biggest differences. You know, in, in terms of football, not a lot. Ch- you know that the level is going to go up. You know you're going to be challenging against Liverpool, Manchester City with the players they've got, but also the coaches they've got as well. And probably the biggest lesson I learned, I wanted to be as cavalier as I was in the championship and found out very quickly that I had to back off that a little bit and become a bit more pragmatic in that first season. There was a lot of reasons behind that as well. I I thought we could actually have a go at teams. Um, You know, we had a go at Liverpool at home and was 1-0 up until the last three minutes. But the problem we probably had, we had so many new players that we had to bring in uh, because we had lots of loans when we got promoted and a lot of people out of contracts. But also we lost some of our key players through injury as well. And it probably weakened us as a team. So, you know, the the lockdown gate gave me uh, time to rethink refocus and actually become a bit more pragmatic and harder to beat you know which eventually saved us uh, that season yeah it really did uh, and moving you know obviously you stayed up by a point um tremendous achievement really given the amount of changes going on at your club at that time but from that season to this season dean and i think it surprised everybody us included the change of fighting relegation to looking for european places how have you done it? What's changed? And, and, and is this stuff that you've learned? I know the signings you're probably going to talk about, but the, the difference, I mean, we don't see that very often. And, and like Villa right now are on the radar. It's like one of the teams of the season, given last to this season. How have you done it? Um, a lot of hard work, as I say. I mean, we, we became more pragmatic after the lockdown. Um, our players who we brought in, we, we brought in 12 players are now Premier League ready, I believe. It takes time to, to get up to speed. And, you, you, know, you know, even for British boys who've come out of the Championship, if they're not ready, but we, we've brought in players like uh, Matt Target is a better player now. Ezri Condon is a better player. Um, Marvellous Nakamba, a better player. Simply because they've, they're Premier League ready. They've, they needed that six months in that Premier League to get used to it. And, and adjust because the, the, the speed... The physical outputs are greater than they are in the Championship. So the players that we had last season in the Premier League certainly have improved. And uh, but the ones that we added to that squad as well, we only we only needed to bring five players in this uh, the start of this season, and we went for obviously quality over quantity. Um, and it's it's at the moment it's bearing fruits for us. Uh, 
we could actually, the way we wanted, we could work on our style of play and add players to that style of play, like Ollie Watkins, for instance. I, I, I felt last season that our counter-attacking threat wasn't where it should have been, and that was probably because we didn't have enough pace in the team. Ollie brings that, you know, in abundance, and uh, you know, I think we've been a lot better in, in terms of counter-attacking teams this season. Just gives you a major th- a threat against any of the any of the teams in this league. It's not often, Dean, where we we go through the teams and new signings, and so many hit it off and, and, and make your team better through the core of your side. I know Matty Cash, a player that I particularly like, your goalkeeper, you can go right through. Just give us a quick sense of how your recruitment works. You know, who's in charge of that, Dean? How much input do you have? The club, the owners? Gonna kind of give us a brief, you know, how that works. Yeah, so uh, I, it was very similar to what I, I had at, at Brentford as well, where I've got a sporting director um, in Johan Langer, who's uh, in charge of the, the recruitment departments. And uh, we've got a head of recruitment, Rob McKenzie. And we, we profile players that we want in terms of the, our style of play. So when I first came into the football club, I spoke very, very much about developing a style of play for Aston Villa. And within that style of play, you profile the, the positions you want, what you see as a player, as a right-back for you, what strengths we need for that, that player. And then it's the recruitment's job, the recruitment team's job of identifying them players and, and bringing the top three or four um, players that we can actually uh, execute because there's no point play, bringing players that we can't you know, go and bring in. And then it's, it's my job looking at them players and then showing my coaches as well, doing our character backgrounds and making sure they're going to fit in. And, you know, we want... The, the, the character is a really important one for me because they're going to be top players if we're, if we're finding them. But I want players who can come into the environment but also want to keep getting better and learning and not be happy just to be a Premier League footballer. Talking about characters, my friend, just one player I want to talk to you about, Jack Grealish, and I know you probably get a million questions, but again, I want it from your perspective, Dean, and when I see him play, obviously the talent, we don't even need to discuss that. He looks like an emotional player, and that's what I want to chat, and just get a sense of how, how is it, what's it like to manage him, because he's so, he cares so much, and he's so emotional, sometimes he crosses the line a little bit, gets himself in a little bit of trouble, mental toughness, you know, I know that, that again, we, in the studio, we talk about how you've remained on a, a, an even keel in terms of your emotions through last season to this season, which we think is, is tremendous and, and not easy to do. How tough is it to manage Jack Grealish? I'd love to say it's easy, but it's not. <laughs> he's a unique character, but he's a unique footballer as well. And why I'm saying it's not easy is because he wants to keep improving. So he puts constant pressure on, on myself and the other coaches to, to help him keep improving and the players around him. So constantly we're, we're sitting down with him and looking at uh, clips of, of his game, uh, but also putting on training sessions that we know can improve him as a player as well. And, you know, sometimes it's stuff that he might not like, but it's important that you know, I've built a good enough relationship with him there. We can sit down and talk about it. He's such a great lad. Uh, I don't think there'll be a player in the dressing room that would say a bad word against him. He's one of the last to leave. Um, also probably one of the last to get here. Um, you know, he does like, he does like his lie-ins in the morning. Uh, but he's, he's a grafter. He knows what he wants to get, get and achieve. And he knows what he has to go and do to, to get there. But on the pitch, he is, he is emotional. I think 
he found it tough when we first came back after lockdown, not having fans there because, you know, he thrives on that pressure. The pressure of being the captain, which is why I wanted to give him the captain and, and uh, I knew he could handle that. But also having the pressure of being a local lad, a supporter of Aston Villa Football Club, he thrives on that kind of pressure. So the, the bigger the pressure, the more you get from him. Just just on the crowd, Dino, I, I, I look at what you're doing now with this team and the attacking philosophy and, and what a shame, isn't it? The Villa Park's not, not full, watching what you've done from last season to this season. It, yeah, what, what does it feel like not having that behind you? Yeah, there, there's an emptiness, I must admit. Um, the, yeah, the, there's no home advantage anymore. You're just playing at a stadium. I love Villa Park anyway, um, but there's an emptiness not having the supporters here. Um, they helped us get wins last season, probably when we, we shouldn't have, um, and it helped us get promoted out of the championship before that. You know, if they were there against Liverpool when we're beating, winning 7-2, it would have been an incredible atmosphere. And, uh, you know, it's the one thing that's missing this season, unfortunately, due to yeah. the pandemic. Final question, mate. Um, it's been great having a little catch-up with you. Just, just where do you go from here? How do you make this team better? What's the targets? What, you know, what, what are your plans for this season or your targets for this season and maybe next season as well? Well, we're very thankful that we've got two unbelievable owners in, in Wes Edens, um, who also owns the Bucks uh, NBA team as well, and, uh, and Nazef Suiris. And they've invested into a football club that they believe they can grow um, and that they've already come out and said their long-term ambition for the football club is to be a top six team that's challenging in the Premier League and in Europe. And um, they've given me the opportunity to, to try and grow that. And um, we feel we're a progressive club at the moment. There's still lots of work to be done. Um, but it's a sleeping giant. It's, you, yeah. you know from... From uh, you know playing against Aston Villa, when Villa Park's rocking, it's a proper football club. And I was brought up a supporter of when they were winning the Champions League in '82. Um, you know, and uh, if we could get back to you know European nights at, at Villa Park, it would certainly have uh, the rafters going. Well, you're on your way, mate. You're doing a great job right now. Best of luck uh, for the future for this season and going forward. And thanks so much for joining us uh, on this show. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Robbie. Good to see you. Well, that was definitely a case of friends reunited, um, Mr. <laughs> Musk, you, you and Dean going back on, over old times. It really mm. seems, Rob, that he's very happy, content with, with life, where he's at. It's his boiled club. He's kept them up. They're now in the second season. They're, they're sitting at the right end of the table. Couldn't be much better for him, could it? Well, that, that's what, you know, right at the end there, Rob, he, he's basically talking about it. And I'm saying, you know, like, wow. You know, you can kind of live in the dream a little bit in the Premier League manager with the club that you supported as a boy. And one thing stuck with me, Rob, he said, you know what? I'm enjoying it. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And, I, and it's like, I'm going to I'm gonna be determined to enjoy this position, this role. And he's absolutely right. And he said, like, I look around at some other managers in the Premier League and they look so stressed out. Uh, and, and he's like, I, I don't want to be like that. And I think there's one thing, Rob, I think we talked about it before with him is that it keeps on this even keel. Like he's got the ment mentality and attitude of, you know what? Yeah, I know there's going to be tough times. I know there's going to be good times. And, I, and I'm going to just try and keep level in perspective. And I think that's what's put him in great stead. And, and I mean, 
Long may it continue, right? Because I honestly, I, I don't know what they'd said before. He invited me to his house when I played at Sheffield Wednesday with him. He was a captain. He knew I was away from my family in a little hotel in Sheffield. He invited me over. His wife cooked this lovely dinner for us. The sweetest little family, a little, little modest house in Sheffield. I couldn't be happier for one of the good guys to show his worth on the other side of the game. And he's having a marvellous, marvellous career as a manager now, particularly right now at Aston Villa. Yeah, proper football giant. And I tell you one person who I'm hoping, Rob, is learning a lot from him, John Terry. Yeah. John Terry, point, is going to go into you know, the hot seat. And, and that bit of, uh, where you talk that levelness of, of mm. Dean Smith, not too high on yeah. wins, not too low, is a really important characteristic managers have got to have. So that does it for this special edition of the Two Robbies podcast. Don't forget to check out our previous episodes, recapping the latest Premier League results, Champions League results, as well as our episodes celebrating Women's History Month with Sean Massielis, Olivia Smart, Rose Lavelle and Kevin De Bruyne. You can subscribe and listen to the Two Robbies podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. We'll be back this Sunday, April the 4th, recapping the latest round of Premier League fixtures, highlighted by two marquee matchups in Leicester City versus Manchester City and Arsenal hosting Liverpool. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.